You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your hosts, Todd Fox, Maddie Matt, and Gabby. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them, and that he was also a necrophiliac. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Todd Fox. And, and today, narrating will be Todd Fox. And we are here live kicking off another episode. Sorry for the delay. We've been very busy, but the show must go on. With all that being said, I want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Grinding True Crimes, and there you can follow our page, like our page, and leave us a comment, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. If you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, you can go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and newly Podvine. And for those listening to us outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Go to redbubble.com, type in Todd Fox 80, and there you can get merchandise courtesy of Grinding True Crimes. And last but not least, if you'd like to support what we do and want to leave a Cash App donation, you can just go to Cash App and type in dollar sign Grinding True Crimes. <sighs> That's the introduction. Wanted to do something different before we get started, Todd. Just want to let you guys know, man. I went through something traumatic this morning. If you guys are going through some mental breakdowns or, you know, you're just tired of life, all I can say is just talk to somebody, you know, because um, I was on the train this morning going to work, and the train that I was on ran over someone, and uh, they committed suicide. They were laying on the tracks, and I didn't see it, but I felt the impact, and it was traumatic. And so it's just, you know, just wanted to say if it's something – that's going through your mind or something you're going through, talk to a friend, talk to somebody and just hopefully they just let you vent, you know, uh, seek guidance and seek some help because, you know, you just never know when, you know, somebody says that's it, you know, and, and to experience that, it's just, wasn't a good feeling for me. So um, I just want to say, if you guys are going through some things, you know, just try to seek some help, whether through through a counselor uh, a hotline, suicidal hotline, or if it's a friend, just talk to them. So um, I just wanted to chime that in. <sighs> well said. Back to our normal program. Um, Todd Fox says he's got a story for us today, and I think it's from Italy. Yes, sir. It's from the home of the pizzas, I guess. Pizzeria. Okay. Pizzeria. Take <laughs> it away, Todd Fox. Tell us your story, sir. Okay, sir. Uh, this case is going to have a lot of twists, twists and turns, corruption, incompetence, and by far a lot of uh, Johnsons in the media. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
we're gonna have a lot of accents in this one sorry get ready Um, get ready indeed uh the year is 1974 so we're gonna go back in the way back uh time machine here uh it's nearly 50 years ago hard to believe um notable things in the world uh at that time was a a world trade center was opening for business that year um richard nixon was uh being uh impeached uh kiss really uh released their first uh album oh wow so there you go i just want to throw the that bit of uh tidbits in there isn't Um, sad how for us that's like we think about the 70s and we think 30 years ago because the 2000s we were living our lives <laughs> yes yes and now people are like uh no add 20 more years to that and it's like what <laughs> yeah it is hard to believe like damn 74 is 50 years ago no way That's jesus insane. man neither one of us before yep nope. yep <sighs> well with that being said <laughs> <laughs> september 15th 1974 young and and keep this in mind guys young newly engaged couple so remember the newly engaged couple thing okay a 19 year old pasquale genticor and his 18 year old uh, wife-to-be stefania patini uh just came back from a disco teen club so disco was still raging at this disco time. was still in <clears throat> it sure was uh their parents are very old-fashioned as is the custom in, in Italy, especially the Florence area. You think of love. You think of the guy on the river. You know, uh, I think that's where, where the Italy is, those, those little uh, river areas where, you know, they have the boat and the guy's like, Ah, sola mio, and he sings to you and all this other stuff. And, well, it's very romantic over there. Um, but, uh, you know, like they, they condone, because they're heavily religious, they condone sex before marriage. But... At those times, the you know the '70s are more free-willing love, and a lot of couples will go off into the woods, into lovers' lanes, and they do the nasty, and then they come back acting like they're all you know, we're still virgins, you know, until they're married and everything. But they, they I know. have not heard the word the nasty in a long time. <laughs> I, don't, okay. I don't know. Sometimes I just come out with these words that you know. The dude, nasty. It's brilliant. Yeah. Next thing I know, I'm going to be saying, hey, they were scamming at night. <laughs> oh, don't do that. <laughs> I never Please heard that. Scamming. That's a throwback. Stupid. Oh, I hated that word. That used to be me in high school. I'd be like, hey, did you, did you scam with that girl or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I scammed with her all night. I scammed her. I was just, oh, my God. That word is so annoying. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, terrible. That. Wow. I hate it. Yeah. Those weren't those weren't the cool ninety days. Nineties no. days. So yeah. No. No. <laughs> anyway, these these two. Better another word. Sorry. Oh. What is it? Might as well spill it. When it was like kids were gonna say that they were making out, they they would say, "Did you mac?" Oh yeah. Mac, oh, yeah. the macking. Mac. Yeah. Oh, I macked her, dude. I was like, shut oh. the heck up, man. Well, these two after the disco, they were macking. They were scamming. Oh god. They were doing the nasty. And uh. Unfortunately, though, these two, um, you know, they, they went to an area called uh, San Borrego Lorenzo. So it has Ooh. like three names to it. Um, <clears throat> they were having sex going all out. And um, <clears throat> in those areas, though, because people knew that that's what teens would do or young lovers, you'd have a lot of voyeurs. So voyeurs are like mm-hmm. people that hide in the bushes and will just watch other people have sex and they get their jollies by watching other people have sex. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah so there's i mean you could probably pull over there 
hear something in the bushes and not even trip because you're like, oh, it's just someone watching us have sex. That's not how I would take it, but that's how they took it back then. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. So it was it was apparent. It was something that was usual. Um, but this was different, though. Uh, the two were, were finishing up, and they were about sitting up in his car when all of a sudden uh, an intruder came by and shot Pasquale right in the head. Or right in the arm, I'm sorry. And it traveled into his chest and hit his heart, and he was dead within seconds. So, what? Yeah, he got shot and was dead. Stefania started to scream. She got out, and she ran a short distance, and the intruder shot her in one leg, missed with a second shot, and then hit her in the other leg, and she just went down. Um, he calmly stood over her, and then he began to stab her over and over and over and over. Gosh. Um, she was stabbed 97 times. <gasps> 90. Dang, man. Dang, this person hated her. Mm-hmm. So then, because they're out in the Italy, Italian, you know, backdrop of all these wooded areas and wineries and things like that, he grabs a wine a vine mm-hmm. and he proceeds to pose her body takes a wine branch and shoves the wine branch into Stefania's vagina whoa yeah oh she was already dead she was right? already dead I'm she was already dead for... yeah yeah <clears throat> that's still disgusting yo yeah. man that sounds like that's somebody you know that's hate that's hatred evil yeah and I know we're a little late but can you give the disclaimer <laughs> Because we're a little late on this one. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. We I, I skipped this. No, I, I forgot to remind you. That's my yeah. Idea. You're right. I'm sorry. Listener's discretion is advised, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't already known. Yeah, this one's gonna be a little brutal. Um, so police would come the next day, and they would realize that this was not your normal killer. You know, obviously, no. obviously the two lovers are are murdered. Their families are you know, torn apart about this because their wedding was less than two months away. Um, The police believe when they got on scene that this was somebody that had uh, maybe uh, because she wasn't sexually assaulted, maybe had an erectile dysfunction type thing. Mm. And he took out his anger on her and, and, and uh, in ways that they didn't think, because at this time the police in Florence never saw anything like this before. They were, they were tripping on how brutal this, murder was mm. so um oh. Oh, go ahead no i was saying that's horrible yeah and and, and they all they found was four uh 22 caliber bullet shells so keep that in mind as well 22 caliber bullet shells and they also found um uh, all their stuff was spread out around the the, the crime scene <clears throat> so despite this despite them looking into the both of them for you know could they have any enemies? They, they were two upstanding citizens, um, just kids having a good time. They were about to, you know, get get married and everything. They yeah. couldn't find no dirt on them, uh, no suspects. Um, the, there was no voyeurs that they could find at the time in the area, so they were just like, you know, we're screwed. So it went cold right away. The case, the case just went cold. The Johnsons didn't even get an opportunity to mess this one up. There was just nothing. There was no semen. There was nothing like that. There was no DNA, no fingerprints nothing so it wasn't the johnson's fault on this one no the johnson's had nothing to do with this one 
<laughs> yeah, so this is uh, so so six about six years go by. Six oh wow! Years. Yeah, and uh, June sixth, nineteen eighty one, uh, Giovanni Foggy, a warehouse man at the age of thirty, and Carmela Denuncio, a shop assistant at the local market, only twenty one, were two engaged at the same time. So so this is another engaged couple. Mm-hmm. And they were in the area just outside of Florence. Um, the two were getting hot and heavy and making love at the time, right in the middle of it, when somebody tapped on their window. And when Giovanni looked up, he immediately was shot in the head instantly. Dang. Carmela is shot in the head as well. So she doesn't even get out the car this time. So he just bang, bang. They're both both dead on impact. In the Dang. So he then goes over to Carmela drags her out of the passenger side and he stabs her multiple times slits her throat and she's already dead and here's the part that's going to make you cringe a little bit well, should, here we go it, may, it should make you cringe a lot actually <clears throat> um he proceeds to pose her body in the same style as the other one six years prior and he slices off her genitals <gasps> what oh he removes them and takes them as a souvenir. What? Yeah. Yo, man. Yo. Dang, man. This guy's a total pig. Yo. Mm-hmm. I so, know they do that stuff in Africa. They circumcise women, but stuff like, like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oof. this is big-time mutilation. Um, What's wrong with this dude? I don't know. I, and, and here's the thing. So the next day, the hikers would find the body and oh. a young a young reporter would be covering the the uh, the case. And his name was uh, Mario Spezza. So Ma- Mario would come over there and, you know, there'd be question mark boxes over the crime scene. And he would jump up and, oh, go, you know, and hit those and try to get like flowers and like the, you know, the stars, maybe a mushroom. mushroom. Yeah, mushroom. <laughs> And if he was lucky, he'd get an extra man. But uh, don't do that. It didn't happen too much. Oh, wow. uh, sorry, that was bad taste. Uh, but it wasn't the victim. It was just—it's the reporter. So the, the reporter. reporter. We're not exactly. laughing at the victim. Exactly. I can't believe we have to say that. You know what I mean? I know. We still have to. God damn it! We still get—we still get messages sometimes from people who are like you're too insensitive. It's like we're not making fun of anyone in the case except the bungling cops. Or a reporter, or someone doing something stupid. It's never ever the victim. So, well said. Thank you. Uh, So now at this point, um, you know he's looking at this case and he's like, "Man, this looks like one when I was a kid and I I read I read up on this case because he's about thirty years old. But when he was a little bit younger, he didn't work for the newspaper at the time. But he's you know he knew about the other case, Mm -hmm. and um, you know he wrote an article about it. And basically, the uh, it got around the, the the area of Florence and Florentine, which is another city close to that part of Italy. And people started to hear the word serial killer in Italy for the first time. So this was freaking people out. They were looking. Oh, I can at, imagine. Yeah, they were looking at their neighbors. Um, and now you have a lot of people thinking, okay. We read his article. He's talking about voyeurs in there. Now they're starting to accuse their, you know, their brothers, their cousins, 
because they know that instead of going to like sex shows like they would have in Manhattan at the time, you know, you mm-hmm. pay money to look at a peep show or stuff like that. They don't have that in Italy at that time. You know, the voyeurs, the people that like to watch other people have sex or perform acts are going out in the backwoods to watch other people. So maybe family knows that other families doing that and they're starting to be like, well, where was uh, where was Luigi not too long ago? You know, maybe he was maybe he wasn't fixing the plumbing. Maybe he was out there looking at couples having sex and maybe he got a little stabby stabby, you know. He had to pick Luigi. (laughs) I couldn't think of anybody. All the people, man. (laughs) What am I going to say? Wario? Go go through all the Mario brothers. (laughs) Oh, it's a princess peach. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna oh go through the goodness. entire roster, Koopa Troopa, and all that. I'm yeah. Sorry, are you you're Mario? Really, uh, you're really into Mario, huh? I like I liked Mario. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Shout out to Mario. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, there's you know that people are accusing other people. Um, they're looking strange now. The the voyeurs aren't going out there as much, um, but it dies down a bit. So, um, so now. You know, after being 1974, it's now June 7th, 1981. Um, after the report and everyone looking at everyone's, you know, differently. Wait, only a day later? No, huh? no, no. Um, the first killing was in 1974 and the, sec- the second kill was 81. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had June 6th. That's why. I thought it was the next day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so it's a couple days later. Um uh, after the report, you know, they find a voyeur by the name of Enzo Bellatiti. Belletti? I think Belletti. <laughs> my I'm, bad. Sorry. I'm sorry. My bad. You guys are thinking about pasta now. My bad. My bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, Bellini. His brother Marinara turned him in. Um, <laughs> sorry. At the You're going to have fun with this episode, ain't there? Right I'm trying not to. I'm trying to stay serious. I'm sorry. <sighs> compose yourself. Compose yourself. Compose. <laughs> yes, don't get me into a laugh attack because then it's over. Yeah, I, know, I, know. I gotta get serious on this one. Um so he so he Enzo Belletti uh is at the age of thirty. His friend turns him in saying, Hey, he's out there looking at couples, uh you should take a look at him. He was actually talking about the murders and everything from the previous time, so the police go out there and they're all all right, and they arrest him, and you know they take they bring him in, but uh, he doesn't know too much about the uh, murders, but they charge him anyway, and then what? yeah, they charge him anyway. What? Oh yeah, the, the the cops in this one are 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 complete Johnsons. They're all like, ah, oh, we got the guy. It's over. Case closed. Let's have a cannoli. You know and that was it. <laughs> cannoli. So they were so they were done. You know like. They were like, okay, case closed, it's all over. And he was scheduled for sentencing in 1981 in December. And so while awaiting trial, it's now October 23rd, 1981. So just about a couple months before poor uh, Enzo has to go to to court and face these murder charges. And again, they have no murder weapon on him. They have no fingerprints. He never owned a 22 caliber gun. But because someone said he was in the area and it seemed credible and he kind of given half truth about it from what he knew he was arrested uh, that's that's just done yeah <laughs> yeah so <clears throat> stefano baldi a construction worker 
um, at the age of 26 and Susanna Camby, which is not an Italian name, but uh, she was an operator, um, you know, phone operator. She was also engaged to be married to Stefano. So you have well, another... I didn't know where all this it with the engaged couples. And you'll, you'll see this over and over, unfortunately. Uh. Um, as soon as they pulled up in their VW, uh, uh, VW bug at that time, they mm-hmm. began to make love in the small car. And I don't know how they did that because VW bugs, I mean, good grief. You got to be small people or, you know, you got to know where to put it, so to speak, because there's not too much room in those little bugs. Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're in the bug. They're, they're having a good time. But then shots were rang, shots rang out and they were both shot in the head by a single shot, 22 caliber Man. gun again. Um, Stefano was still in the car. Susanna had been dragged 20 feet away from the car to a patch of flowers. The flowers were posed around her body and her arms were put up like in a Jesus like pose, like on the cross. Mm-hmm. Her legs were spread wide open, and again, her vagina was mutilated off of her body. Oh. Man, this guy's sick. Yep. And it's not like they found it somewhere. It was it was gone, totally gone. I'm, imagine, Ew, I cannot imagine how a woman looks like that. That's what I'm saying. Imagine you see a body and it's just gone. Parts. You know, so missing. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be out. Obviously, scary to see. Yeah, dude. So Enzo was Enzo was released from jail because of this. Obviously, obviously. Mm-hmm. They, I hope they realized it wasn't him. Yeah, and of course, after holding him that long. I wonder what do you say? What do you say to him? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what you can say other than Asari. We we make a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's about all I think you can say. You know? It was the Johnson. <laughs> you know, Johnson, he always makes the wrong move. You know, it's okay, right? We good, bro, right? We good. Bro, bro. I take you to the pizza. <laughs> yeah. I got a pie for you, okay? Pepperoni and cheese. Extra cheese for you. Bro. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> that is oh. wrong. Exactly. And, and this is what sucks, too. You think that's Johnson enough? So these are now three couples that are engaged, married, or t- to be married, shot, mutilated, whatever. And the police are not calling this a serial killer because the crimes are spread out too much. Like, like, are you what serious? What does time have to do? It's the same thing. And only Mario Spezza, when he tells them in, to investigate the bullets, the twenty-two caliber bullets, mm-hmm. they weren't going to do that. And he gets the police agency and the forensics to actually match the bullets. And they actually say, hey, yeah, these three cases, it's the same gun. Wow. So they're forced to call it a freaking serial killer. Wow. A reporter. So they didn't. They didn't. Wow. Yeah, they didn't do it. Mm. Yeah. So what do you think happens now with the people in the area in Florence and in Florentine? Everybody's panicking now. Nobody wants to go out. What do you think, Matt? I'm going to say... I'm going to say... I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, we'll, we'll no, both yeah, I, I agree with 
a gap. I think they're panicking and probably there not many people or couples are not going to that area anymore. Yes, Gabby and Big Renee are right. Uh, both of you guys oh are right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why you gotta uh, give <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he oh, laid it up there. I had to dunk it. Um, so you guys are right. 99% of the people didn't go out again. As they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But there's that 1%. Oh. Of course. <sighs> Yeah, you know, I, I did. I caught that right now. You said ninety nine percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they because could... it's never going to be everybody. There's always some stupid people that are like, "Ah, eh, we'll be fine." Yeah, you got some men that's just so prideful. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen to me. Like Babe says. I don't look at me. Nothing's <laughs> going to happen. Okay. But just, but just think about it, guys. You can't rent a room. I mean, I know you don't want people to exactly. see you doing the nasty, but you're risking it going out in here in the outskirts with a serial killer on the loose. I'm just saying. I mean, that we're all humans here, of course. If I knew three people, three couples have been murdered, and on uh, uh, you know, Martin Luther King Boulevard behind the McDonald's, I'm not about to go over there on Martin Luther King Boulevard behind a McDonald's, knowing that there's been three couples that's been murdered there. I'm not taking a chance. Mm-hmm. All right. And, I'd and probably it, be like, you know what? We're not going anywhere. Let's get married first. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be engaged. Yeah. If I were the if I were the family members, I'd be like, listen, I know you guys want to do the nasty and everything, but can we just wait till after? I mean, you're gonna have a lifelong, you know, time period to have sex with your wife. Can you just wait a little bit? Like, don't go off into the woods, please. Exactly. Or like you said, I get a hotel. Well, I don't know how it is in Italy, you know, and especially in the seventies and eighties. So maybe. They probably couldn't. Well, they probably, yeah, probably everyone knows everyone, probably. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's probably it was, it was uh, prohibiting them to go somewhere. So mm-hmm. that was the only spot to go to, I guess. I don't know. Um, people have been sneaking into people's rooms for centuries. Come on. Yeah, that's <laughs> Look, true. I'm trying to help these people, okay? I don't understand, <laughs> but I guess I don't know. It's crazy because <clears throat> we have another date. Ah, uh, shoot. Mm hmm. A new lover's lane area on the very outskirts of Florentine. So I guess this couple was like, well, he won't strike over here. But June 19th, 1982, Paolo Maldini, a mechanic, the age of 22, and Antonia Miglarini, a dressmaker. Yeah, it's hard to say these names. I'm probably butchering, so I apologize. Um, But she was only 20. uh, Were another engaged couple to be married. What the heck, man? Yeah. How does he know everybody who's engaged? I don't think he knows they're engaged. It's just a coincidence. I don't think so. Well, if that's the case, he should play the lottery because he's nailed it every time. Yeah, there is no coincidence with. But it's not like he goes on these dates and say, okay, uh, this engaged couple is going to come here. He don't know. Mm -hmm. That's my point. Then he got to be stalking these people beforehand. It could be. I mean, this is already like this. This is the routine. There so is no coincidence that every single couple he targets happens to be engaged. No. So you're telling me the, the first, engagement has something to do with so it. So you're telling me the first time he took a six year gap of stalking and said, "Okay, now it's time to get these people." There was I, no. That could explain the amount of time that he takes between murders. Well, according to the cases right now, it was uh, yeah. October twenty third, June seventh. And now June 19th, right? 
Yeah, this uh, is a year apart one. from this is a, a year, year from the other one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just think he's just getting lucky. September seventy four. Then he jumps to June sixth, nineteen eighty one. Then he jumps to uh, October nineteen eighty one. Then June again, nineteen eighty two. He's taking his time. He has to know that these people are engaged. Maybe we'll find out in the, in the story. Well, just keep keep that in mind, Gabby. Keep that keep that argument in mind. Trust me, it'll come up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, the next morning, though, um, their their car, or the couple, was found in a ditch by a couple passers by, and they came by to render assistance, thinking it was like a car accident, it's like like someone lost control and ran into the ditch. Um, when the two occup- uh, when the uh, two people came over to look at the occupants in the car, um, Paulo's body was slunched over; he was barely breathing, and it looked like the woman in the car was deceased so they called paramedics and the police and they got out there um they would actually take him to the hospital and uh to try to save his life but uh, he wound up dying on the operating table wait a minute she wasn't dragged out in post no and so what happened was they saw bullet shells in the car you know from on the side of the car and in the back of the car the window was broken out and they were, they saw that the car had came from out of the woods into the ditch. So it didn't come off the road into the ditch. It came off the woods into the ditch. So it came out of the wooded mm-hmm. area. So the police went up there and they found where it looked like a car had, you know, they recreated or tried to recreate the scene like they did in the other crime scenes to figure out how the people were murdered. And they figured out that they were caught by surprise, but it looked like Paulo had heard the perpetrator come out. And he tried to turn the car around and head towards the road and was shot at. And they were both hit as they were trying to flee. Duck and drive. So that's why. Yeah. Yeah. And they were thinking that there was too many cars for him to do his mutilation and stuff with Mm -hmm. it being a ditch. I mean, he gave an effort. You know, he almost got away. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, basically the next day, you know, people are, are freaking out again because, you know, Mr. Spezza, Mario, is, is doing the story again and he's linking this up. And he's saying that, you know, it's a 22 caliber gun. It's got to be which, what he now calls the Monster of Florence. The so, Monster of Florence. I like that. Yeah. So he's he's writing almost a daily article about this serial killer, trying to come up with, with ideas on how to catch him. Um, trying to get the people to to be aware of their surroundings, you know, he's putting it out there. And the Florentine, uh, the Florentine police officer, or the um, what's it called, the prosecutor and the chief of police, they had an idea. They said, okay, well, if you're writing these daily r- reports, you know, he must be seeing this in the newspapers. So why don't you run an article that you know states that we were able to get some valuable information from Paulo? before he died about about the intruder, about the, the, the killer. Mm-hmm. And maybe he'll come out and he'll say something. Maybe he'll come out and do something that'll give himself away. You know what I mean? So do you think that works? I don't think so. I don't think so either. You don't think so? Okay. So he writes an article, and the Florentine P- uh, Police Department, six days later receive a yellow piece of paper in an envelope that just plainly says 
look into this case from August 21st, 1968. Mm. And it's a newspaper clipping of a murder. Which involved Antonio Labianco, 29, a mason worker, and Barbara Loki, um, age 32. Both were shot to death with a 22 caliber handgun in Florence, Italy. Yeah. Dang, all the way to 1969? 68. 68. Yeah. Well, six years prior to his supposed first murder. Mm-hmm. Now, here's here's something to remember. I'm going to throw this out there. Well, um, You know the case, the Zodiac? Mm-hmm. So that was like between 68 and 69. He shot and killed couples as well. And uh, he did those incriminating letters to the police and this, this, and that. He disappeared in 69. You know, after his last murder, like they, no one's seen him since, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And so this one was in 68. And some people at the time were like, hey, could that have been the Zodiac? Did he just go over to Italy? You know, like, did he start there or did he go back? You know, because these are kind of similar, kind of. Yeah. yeah. So that's something to think about. But uh, that might get dispelled later on when we get further into it here. Um, okay. So in that case, though, Mario would look at the case, and it was Barbara, the victim in that one, had been cheating on her husband, Stefano. And in 68, uh, right after the murders, Stefano had convinced or confessed to murdering out of a jealous rage her boyfriend, who was the occupant in the car as well, in cold blood. Mm. Um, The evidence at the time helped convict him uh, was the gun residue that he had just shot the gun it was still the gunpowder was on his hand. So he admitted to it. They had the gunpowder residue. He had a motive for doing it. And, um, you know, case closed, right? Mm-hmm. You would think so. Now, here's the weird thing. So Mario Spezza says, hey, test the bullets from that case and that you still have on, on, uh, on hand with the other bullets. And guess what? They freaking matched. Get out. Yeah, so so the bullets from Mario's gun, or not Mario, Stefano's gun, matched all the murders up until now, including the 1968 case. So we got our guy. No, this guy is locked up, though, right? This guy... I have a feeling he got he didn't serve anything. Or this, if he did serve... I'm sorry, Todd. No, go ahead. I, I was going to say, either he didn't serve, if he or if he did serve, he got out in 1974. Close, actually. He served time till 78 till he was uh, deemed um, kind of clinically insane. And he was in a halfway house at this time in 1982. He got out in 78. So he wasn't on the streets then? No. He was was on the streets, kind of, yeah. No, but not till 78. The first one supposedly was 74. Mm Mm-hmm. So then it's not our guy. Well, yeah. he has a relation to, or they know each other, or that one got the gun from this guy. I don't know. <laughs> Unless in Italy, they you know they let you get out for a minute, or for a couple of days, and then go back in jail. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's here's what kind of went down. This might clear up a little bit. Okay. Um, when Spetsy went to go interview him, or Spetsa, keep messing up his name. Uh, his behavior was weird. And he was exhibiting signs of mental illness, mental stress. Uh, he couldn't say a few things, um, but one of the uh, but but one of the things they couldn't understand was why was his gun showing up at other cases? 
And uh, Spezza started to think, you know, this guy's a little too incoherent. But he asked him one question and he got a weird answer. He said, when I was at what he goes, he goes, we we killed the um, my wife and her boyfriend. And he's like, what do you mean we? we? And he's like, yeah, we killed them. We killed them. I shot them, but they were there with me. And huh? he's like, who? And so then what happened is <laughs> the Johnsons, again, did not give this information to the reporter. And so oh, the, wow. the reporter's doing his their work for them, basically. They, he seems like the cop. He finds out that when he looks back and he goes and gets the police file, that there was two other men there with him that night when he killed mm-hmm. his wife and lover. And he, they have done. Yeah, and they were brothers. It was Salvatore and Francesco Vici. Mm. They were both Stefano's age, and they knew Barbara good. Why? Because they were all sleeping with her. I was her at the say, same they time. were all sleeping with her. Yes. Oh my God. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, a family tree. Yeah, these three these three men were. We're having sex with Barbara all at the same time. So they help him. They're all there together to kill her because she cheated on him, but they were all cheating with her. Exactly, because three is a company, four is a too much. So a fourth <laughs> one is too much. She must go. Wow. So, uh, so they let him take the time, and they were gone. Yeah, the police did not charge either one of them for the for even being an accessory. Wow. And they knew that there was two other people. They were interviewed and the cops, you know, he confessed to the whole thing. Stefano took it and they didn't find any gun residue on them. But either way, I mean, it, even if you're like the driver to a, a murder, you get convicted. Yeah. You get convicted. Mm-hmm. So Francesco... Um, now became because of the reporter of you know the reportings of Mario mm-hmm. um Francesco is now being looked at you know um as far as we know uh, at this time you know uh Florent uh was his name Salvadore Salvatore um was did not have a you know a bad record Francesco had a bit of a shady record at this point um because of this they were thinking okay he must have his gun and he was the ones that, you know, he got bloodthirsty and he just went out there and, you know, because they got jealous, uh, they were jealous of the other guy. They, you know, they watched as Stefano killed her, his wife. He got the bloodthirst and he went on a rampage. He's guilty. Throw the book at yep. him, Johnson. I think it's going to be the shockingness that it was Salvatore. The one that had nothing on him. Okay. Okay. What do you think, Matt? I'm going to say it was, uh, what's the name? Uh, Francesca. Francesca, or Francesco, whatever his name is. I'm going to say it was him. Okay. All right. I think well, they got their guy. We got plenty of twists oh. so far. This, this month is going to be another one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they arrest Francesco, though. And so he's, he's awaiting trial. He's in there for a few months already. And on September 9th, 1983... William Frederick Horstmeyer, 24 years old, mm-hmm. and Jens Roche. Uh, these are two Germans. And what? 
Yeah, both faculty members of the fine arts in Germany were on vacation in a Volkswagen Samba bus in Galazzo, Italy. So this is a little further out. Um, the murderer suspect snuck into the camper while the uh, while they were having sex. Um, when the police were called the next day because the camper hadn't moved and people saw gun, sh- um, you know, bullet holes in the side of the camper. Um, you know, they, they called the police, the police came down and when they went in there, what do you think they saw? The same type of murder. I'm going to say they saw, you know, probably a woman mutilated or, or the body parts of the mutilated woman. Hmm. Okay. You're both wrong on this one. Cause here's a twist. What? Yeah. What they found was two bodies. All right. But it was two men's bodies. What the crap? Jens, what? Jens was a man, not a woman. He had long blonde hair, which it appeared to be a woman. Now, the police recreated the crime scene and recreated what they think happened. They think the the, the perpetrator... Yeah, he came in there, witnessed them to having sex. When he shot the man in the head, the first guy, he t- took the blonde out and realized, hey, he's got something else. He's got a wang. And unfortunately, that guy was already dead as well. And it was two, you know, it was a gay couple. And he overkill shot into him 14 more times out of anger. He tore, yeah, he tore up the camera. He reloaded the gun a few more times and shot up the camper before he took off. Whoa. So he's pretty upset. So he overkilled. Yeah, he overkilled because they weren't what he was looking for. He, th- he thought it was two uh, a man and a woman, and he shot off a total of thirty uh, rounds of uh, twenty-two caliber bullets. So whoever this person is, I don't know. Todd. Like you said, he might have ED, and just just the fact that people are enjoying and having pleasure, and he can't have that. You know, he that's how he gets his pleasure in killing. But apparently, he it wasn't the. Uh, couple that he was expecting you know he probably wanted a male and female and then obviously he got something different absolutely so so he probably does have like a you know a sexual you know deficiency i guess and he gets his uh pleasure you don't think it's fair yeah yeah, he probably doesn't think it's fair that you know men can have or couples can have pleasure when he can't i agree and that's 1982 so um you know, gays don't have many many rights back then. Um, cases uh. like this are swept under the rug, and to this point, to that point, it that's unfortunately what happens for Francesco because Francesco's lawyer says, "Hey, the guy struck again. Test the bullets. It's the same gun." The police said, "Ah, no, it's a different case," and they <laughs> they kept him in jail. So what? they really didn't test anything. They didn't they, test them or nothing. They, they refused to have linked that case because it was two gay men to the couples that were engaged. See, that's that. I mean, I think that's stupid. That's stupid. If you're gonna go back to a crime that happened many years ago, and one of them confesses, and you're just gonna let the other two get off, but then you think, okay, the other two now have the weapon. They could have been doing this. Why the heck wouldn't you hold both of them? Yeah. 
you would you would think that would that would work right or or that or you would think that they would be able to justify something or come mm-hmm. up with some sort of conclusion but no and they kept francesco here right mm-hmm. so then the police were thinking okay there's only one other guy we think that could have use of the weapon and let's go for francesco's nephew uh antonio mm-hmm. and because antonio had uh he had uh prior convictions for theft they went to francesco's son's house and they found quote unquote weapons on his property not in his house but on his property Mm. so they were saying well that's a legal um possession you know with you know a, a convict is not supposed to have weapons so they arrested his son antonio even though the gun they were looking for the 22 caliber was not one of the weapons they recovered that was his son or his nephew? I mean, that was his. Uh, that was his son. I'm sorry, not his nephew. Oh, okay. Mm. That was uh, Salvatore's. Uh, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. You're right, Gabby. I'm glad okay. you caught me on that one. So it's Salvador Salvatore's son, which is his brother, Francesco's brother, and it's Francesco's nephew. So I'm sorry, <laughs> messed everybody up right there. Good catch. Good catch. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's why it's three of us. Yeah, exactly. Technical. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're keeping me straight on this on this story. Thank you, because I really I really messed that one up. So thank you. So again, um, Antonio is the nephew of Francesco and Salvatore's son. Now he would go to uh, court on behalf of his uncle, and then also uh, for himself. And he his his um, lawyer was really good, saying, "Look." How do we know the police didn't plant these weapons just to throw the book at my client here and just to put someone in jail because they're so eager to close this case? And um, so they argued that point. They argued several other points that Antonio wound up winning and uh, there was no evidence against him. So Antonio got his his, uh, his case overturned. So he, he walked. Dang. Mm hmm. And then, so he walked in November of 1984. This entire time, Francesco, his uncle, is still in jail. And and even though that his lawyer got him out of the actual murder charges on the couples, mm-hmm. the, the police were finding some stuff from back in the day to keep him still incarcerated. Wow. So they just really wanted somebody in jail for it. Yes. And uh, Mar- Mario, uh, at the same time, the uh, the uh, Mario Spezza was like, uh, "Hey, it's a not fair. Uh, we've already proven him innocent, and the uh, Koopa Troopa keep him in there, and we must get him out of jail. You know, we must save him." And then they were like, oh, "No, you know," they were like, "All right, we're gonna keep him here." And then, <laughs> you know, and these Italian cops were like, "Well, you know, I'll say if he did the crime, he does time. You know what I'm saying?" <laughs> That was a mixture of Italian and Southern and, and Middle Eastern all over. <laughs> the Johnsons came back out. The Johnsons came out. The Johnsons. From, from yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So poor Francesco's still stuck in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because he's still in jail, it's July 29th, 1984. 20-year-old Claudia Stefassi. Stefanasi, it's hard to say the names. Um, a law, a law student, um, or Claudio. I'm sorry, Claudio, um, and his girlfriend Pia Gilda Retini, a barmaid, 
Um, she was only 18 years old, and they were high school sweethearts. Uh-huh. Um, they would park in a small wooded area 25 miles outside of, of uh, Florence, Italy, in a town of Vizio. Uh, the couple had made love before a man came up to the side of the car and shot them both in the head. Uh-huh. And just like the others that he was not able to do in the previous two cases... He dragged the two, or uh, he, he, he left the body of the Claudio in the car, and he and so he dragged Pia out of the car, and he posed her body as well, and unfortunately, um, he would mutilate her body again. He would take off her vagina and then cut her left breast off. Oh, so he's progressing now. Yeah, he he upped the ante a little bit. Um. When the police would investigate, they would figure out by talking to a couple of her friends that she worked at a bar and that there was an unpleasant man that was following her uh, to and from work for a couple of days, which she, ne- which she needed an escort at one point because she feared that the guy was going to do something. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So after the bullets were compared to match up with the other cases, uh, they finally let Francesco go in the spring of 1985. Dang. Wait a minute. He was in there. Yeah. Got me stuttering. <laughs> this is the second time they lock up the wrong man. Mm-hmm. Check second this out. If, I, if I'm him, I want all the money in the world from the <laughs> officers. He's all one million dollars. One million dollars. And some pizza. <laughs> all you can eat spaghetti. That is insane. Yo, that's jacked up, man. How you gonna keep some? So he was locked up for two years. Mm-hmm. I get it. He fits the description. But we have this thing called what? Todd starts with an E. Uh, evidence. E. Evidence. Oh, evidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, let me think. Uh, Detective Todd. Johnson. Right <laughs> Detective like, Todd Johnson. Elephant. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Jeez. What I'm trying to say is, there was no evidence. How you gonna lock him up? With your e e e, you reminded me of um. Betty White e e e. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, God. <laughs> <sighs> my point is, no evidence, no conviction. Mm-hmm. I don't care if the person fits the description. I don't care if it's to the T. If it's no evidence, and you can't. Definitively, Johnson's of Italy, babe. I'm just saying, like, yo, you can't just keep a man in there because you don't want to do the work. Yeah, we got somebody. No, no, that's okay. We don't have the best. We got, we got. Imagine these are the people that others trust to keep them safe. Hey, man, they dropped the ball on this one. Oh yeah, I agree with both of you guys on that because it just gets worse. Um, Worse, yeah, because Spezza, you know, Mario Spezza, the reporter. He's interviewing Francesco when he gets out of out of jail, and he's like, "Who do you think did this?" And he says, "Well, I think it's someone that has to be handy with a knife, and uh, you know, has some sort of traumatic experience in his lifetime as a kid." And uh, Mario agreed with him, and he wrote that article out. And a couple days later, September seventh, nineteen eighty-five, Jean Michael Cravicelli. Which and also he's from um, uh, another country, and Anne Nadine Mariat at 36. He was 25. She was 36. They were out. They were out camping in a small tent 
in the woodland area of San Casino. And the two were making love when a perpetrator did not wait for them to even finish. Um, he started slicing holes in the tent. And he, when he did so, he got a clear view and shot Nadine in the throat and in the head. Ooh. She died instantly. John pushed the perpetrator to the ground, punched him, and then ran towards the exit of the woods. But the perpetrator stayed right behind him and would jump on the back of him. And unfortunately, the perpetrator was a little bit more stronger. He would then stab uh, poor, uh, the poor man in the chest. Um, John would also take a slicing of the throat. And he, mm. would, he would bleed out uh, right then and there. Um, here's At least he went out with a fight. He did. He, he fought for his life, but... Yeah. It was in vain, unfortunately. Um, what happened next is the perpetrator cleaned up the crime scene, got rid of any kind of physical evidence on his side. Uh, there was a lot of blood, but unfortunately it was John's. And uh, Nadine was put back into the tent because I guess she crawled out a little bit. Um, and she was posed, and her vagina and left breasts were also removed from her. Oh, now he's he taking breasts? Yeah, he's taking breasts. Um, they they found the bullet shells. That's all they found. They know they found no hair follicles, no fingerprints. The body the bodies weren't found for two days, so they were out there in, in the wilderness for two days. Um, yeah. So nearly a week later, September tenth, nineteen eighty five, Sylvia Delamanca, which is the prosecutor for Florence Police Department, who had openly wrote that article and told. You know, Spezza a few years ago to call out the killer, and she was very pro monster of Florence. You know, you got it. You got to get this guy. She's gonna, you know, go after him. You know, she said some pretty, you know, crazy stuff towards the um, the uh, reporter or, or towards the uh, the killer. Um, she would find a Manila um, envelope on her desk, and so when she goes to open it. The, the entire police agency in, in the office heard her scream. They all ran to her office. There was Nadine's left breast on her table. It was in the bag. Oh, my goodness. So what do you Ugh. think? What do you think uh, the prosecutor did after that? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, what do you do? Maybe they woke up and felt like, okay, now she's being directly threatened or something, and now they're going to have to set up a trap to find this guy. Hmm. See, now Gabby makes a point. There would, if this was America, I'm just saying. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not dis, you know, discrediting Italy because we have our Johnsons here too. But most of the cases that involve serial killers, at some point, Gabby's right. They will make a task force. They'll start hiding out in places. Italy never did that, and they still don't do it. Really? Um, yeah, she resigns. She gets so freaked out, she resigns because she thinks she takes it as you're next. You're next, yeah. So she's like, okay, we're, I work with Johnsons. They're not going to protect me either, so I, I'm out. Mm, so. This kind of reminds me of the scene of The Godfather when, uh, when they're uh, after... Uh, uh, Vito got shot at the first attempt, and uh, Sonny's sitting now trying to have a meeting, and 
they send him a message with the fish in the vest and they said Luca Brasi swims with fishes. Kind of <laughs> had that same same feel. It does. Sitting at the desk and the next thing you know you get a you get a message and you open it up and it's a breast basically saying you're next. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that'll freak me out. It would, right? Yeah. I mean Yeah, I don't blame her. <laughs> I would have resigned too. What an Italians, man, that that mafia hits. It feels like mafioso stuff, man. It does. It does. And so, I mean, you have all these, you know, all the evidence that he's compiled. Mario's compiled the, the evidence with looking back at the 1968 case, matching Shout the bullet Mario. shell. Yeah, Mario was doing his job. He's I mean, doing this, thing. He, he's like trying to help the police out and they keep ignoring him. So he keeps coming to them with his theories his interrogations of certain people, what other people have heard. The cops keep locking up voyeurs. Up to a thousand men over the years were locked up. A thousand? A thousand. And yet not one of them was the serial killer. 10,000 sex offenders anywhere close to Italy were interviewed. Over a thousand were arrested on no merits or any evidence, just theories. And they would all be acquitted over time, but some some wasted time, like uh, like uh, Francesco in jail for at least a year or more. How do they keep holding people with no basis? That's what they were doing. That's that's what they were doing. They were ignoring uh, what is it, uh, Mar- Mario Spezza's stuff. They just well, you know, not- some in some cases, a lot of people their pride. You know, they don't want to be told, uh, you know, that someone's doing their job better. Are being told that they're not doing their job by somebody that's not even in that field. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably him, Mario, telling him, "Hey, you guys got to do this, guys. Do this. They didn't want to hear it. Like, get out of here, man. What do you know? You're not a cop. You're just a reporter. Go, go away. You know, probably it could have been pride coming in. It could have been. And so, like getting close to 1986, you know, Spets is starting to, you know, he t- he reinterviews Francesco again. And Francesco says you should look look at my uh, at my brother Salvatore. He's not the innocent guy that you think he was. Mm. And so they they started to go back into his his uh, history a little bit. He had uh, problems with his mother. Uh, his former wife died of suspicious circumstances. Um, she had she had been cheating on him, and supposedly she died of propane poisoning when Antonio was just a little baby boy who was not in the same room as her mom as his mom when they found her dead on the bed and the police just said even though the propane tank was was uh, clearly older and not on anytime soon they were like yep suicide I think that's suicide clearly alright that was it and they, they didn't investigate so Mario's like do I have to investigate this one and myself like that's fishy even his own brother said it was fishy so yeah yeah so um salvatore also had uh he he went went back into his uh you know into his past and saw that also salvatore was abusive to other girlfriends he had sex with multiple partners not just women men as well um, he had he uh, uh, participated in orgies. He had ex girlfriends that he one of them, he uh, she didn't want to participate in one of the orgies, and he slapped her and dragged her into the room, and forced other guys upon her. 
Dang. And this guy wasn't arrested for any of these crimes. Wow. It's just he had a terrible reputation. Terrible reputation. Um, I told you, the ones that supposedly got nothing on them. mm Mm-hmm. So, here's the thing, too. Mario Spezza gets up enough evidence to then get Salvatore arrested. And he goes to jail in 1987. His son Antonio is there, all grown up, and he tells he tells uh, the reporter, "If I could, I'd kill him right now. I'd strangle him to death right now. I cut his I cut his throat. I do this. I do that." His son. His son. Yeah, his son's saying that he liked to kill his father, Salvatore. He's you know Not he's a good a, sign. He's a coward. He's this. He's that. He's got to die. And uh, <laughs> what happens next is Salvatore. For the case in the 60s, even though there was a lot of good evidence that, you know, even his son said that my dad killed my mom, he gets acquitted. Hey, man, is that lawyer Johnny Cochran or something? <laughs> I guess. Because uh, this ain't, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. So that was another twist. There's one last twist as we wrap this one up. Uh, Mario tries to get an interview with with salvatore but he says uh, you know you're the guy that hooked me you know that that got me in this mess and all of a sudden one night out of nowhere till this day nobody knows if salvatore is alive or not what yeah he disappeared off the face of this earth like he just took off nobody knows where he's at i'm telling you man he 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 knew the mafia bro they got him probably sealed up in a in the in the the ocean somewhere so this all of these cases are still unsolved. Wait, there's one more twist though. One last Wait twist. Wait a minute. One last twist. <laughs> so Antonio. So everybody thought it was Salvatore. They're like, it's gotta be him. It's gotta be him. So as as Mario's trying to, you know, wrap up this case and try to, you know, get the monster of Florence, you know, captured, he's working on him. He starts to get into the sun. Antonio, and he's like, the son kind of fits the profile too with having this traumatic stuff. You know, he had he had uh, um, you know access to the gun, and he goes back into an old police report where Salvatore files a police report on his son, saying that he stole some valuables from his house. Now, Salvatore was not a rich man; he lived in a poor little shack. And Mario was thinking, what's the one thing that could have been important to him? Maybe that gun. The 22 caliber was stolen. And Antonio could not verify a lot of his alibis. And the more and more he did reporting or or, uh, uncovering some evidence, he found out that Antonio was very skilled with a knife. He was a part-time fisherman. He gutted fish and he was like, he cut things for, for people in the neighborhood, like, you know, cut up meat really good. And what did the killer was skilled with was a knife. Well, the knife. Uh oh. And that gun. And the gun, yes. And the gun still at this point has not been found. So he's wow. he goes over to Antonio to interview him with another reporter. And they're making it like, hey, they're just trying to resurface the case and talk about your uncle being falsely incarcerated. But they start asking him questions to try to get him to inter- uh What is it called? Um, yeah to get himself to squeal on himself or say something you know uh, incriminating there you go god I couldn't say it Um, 
But all of a sudden, halfway through the investigation, Antonio, they said, it's like someone flipped a switch. He went from happy-go-lucky Antonio to, you're not going to catch, you're not going to put this one on me. I don't care what you say, what you do. I'm warning you, stay away. And he got very serious and the interview was just over. So Mario would try to... um, would try to push and get and write a book and get all this evidence together. It's now 2001. He's trying to present the case in front of Italy's, uh, you know, court system, but 9-11 struck mm. and everybody forgot about an old cold case from the eighties and seventies. Nobody wanted to hear it. The police sure didn't want to hear it. So even after 9-11 kind of calmed down after the first year, the world's not the same place. He's still trying to push, the issue of, hey, guys, you have to investigate. The police dropped the ball. He keeps screwing with the police, telling them that they that they dropped the ball. They dropped the ball. They have a killer in their midst. He's right here. He's right here. I, I know it's him. And in 2004, the police arrest Mario for the murders of the monster of Florence. Wait, the reporter? Yeah, they arrest the, they arrest the <laughs> reporter. Are you kidding me? Are you just joking? No, I'm not. They they arrested. They raided his house. They took all of his evidence that he had over the years. But luckily, his wife had it on a hard drive, so she kept that in her pocket. But at the but that same day in 2004, they arrested him for and charged him for murder. So it was him. It was not him. They just it was they, not him. They just got tired of him. Yeah. Get out of here! Oh my god! Wait a minute! No, no. Going back. No offense. Nah, I don't mean no disrespect. I know the uh, world, you know, big, you know, it, it happened. It happened in the U.S., but I didn't think it affected the entire world. But what did that have to do with Italy? Nine Eleven. All I know is that after nine eleven, there were more in those countries over there. You, you kind of didn't know what was going to happen next. You didn't know if another country was going to, or there was going to be more uh, bombings in different areas. So I guess mm-hmm. Italy kind of just shut down and went like sort of like. Like murder cases didn't mean nothing. Like they were more like FBI big time. Yeah, like yeah. terrorist, mm-hmm. terrorist alert. They were no. I just didn't know. I just didn't know from outside of the U.S. where other countries like, you know, on alert. You know, I I was what, eleven when I happened or twelve. Now the the world the world went on total lockdown, dude, for for at least a few days. Like all the planes were down. Everybody was like, nah, they closed borders. I mean, everyone was scared. Yeah, they so. weren't risking anything. No, I remember. I remember uh, the airlines and everything was shut down and stuff. But I just didn't. I didn't see the from from the perspective of outside countries. You know, what did they do? I I didn't think it affected them. I didn't think they would shut down either. Well, they didn't know if it was going to be a worldwide thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I just didn't know. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying like you know why why are y'all? No, no. I just didn't know. Yeah, because at the time they were just like. Let's not focus on what happened before 9-11. Let's focus mm-hmm. on what's happening now. So that's I think that's what a lot of countries did. So, yeah, uh-huh. he, he kept bugging them. And they were just like, hey, I'll tell you what now. You want to talk so much of this crap? I think you did it. And then he's like, no, it's not to me. It's, it's not to Mario. And they're all, yes, it's a Mario. <laughs> and they arrested him. Why does his name got to be Mario? <laughs> that's his name, man. I, mean, I know it is. That's why it fits. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh man! So this poor man spent twenty three days, twenty three days in jail, and uh, before the free press helped him get released, 
and uh, they basically were like, come on, judge. He's been the only one fighting for this case. Why would it be him? Hello. <laughs> and then they're like, oh. I mean, it happens. That is true. That is true. When policemen are over there trying to be like at the crime scene and trying to help an interview and they're the murder. I feel mm-hmm. And I hate the blue balls, all of you out there, but there's been plenty of books written about this. And the theory is either come down to Antonio, the, the nephew and the son of Salvatore or Salvatore himself, who is still yet to be believed to be alive, but just in hiding because of fear of his son and his son is still walking out there, which most people tend to think that he's the murderer. Oh, wait, nobody's been convicted? Nope. It's unsolved to this day. 16 murders. What? Oh, God. And they're walking freely. Walking freely, yes, sir. And possibly Francesco might be dead. Francesco's, I think he, yeah, I think he did pass away. Um, you know, the, all the other characters in this case, um, except Mario and, uh, have passed away, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, the Salvatore that they're not too sure if he's still alive. He still would be Salvatore. That's what I meant. Not Francesco. Yeah. He'd still be uh, considered alive though. At this point, I think Francesco did pass away, but Salvatore is still alive. Um, Stefano, Antonio. Stefano, the original murderer, he's dead. Um, mm. but Antonio's still very much alive. Walking God's green. Somewhere around here, yeah. I mean, look. For Salvatore to have, like, such a clean background and no, he never did anything. And then to be that twisted beforehand and have so many things hidden, I highly suspect him. Also because it was clear to me that he had already murdered his wife. Yep. I think it was Mario. But... Also, Antonio and the way he described he would kill his dad, it's like, huh. Yeah. I mean, he it's, would it, kill him in the same way that he's been killing, supposedly. So, is it you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and over the years, I mean, they, I would have tried to get, if you had a search warrant for Mario's place, you should have had one for Antonio's and Salvadori's. Maybe you would have found the, the, um, what is it called? The souvenirs, the the body parts, the vaginas or the breasts, uh-huh. you know, but uh, not, none of that was ever found. I don't uh. understand all this. You know, I have a note on my paper at 7.44 p.m. saying, I suspect Mario. <laughs> <laughs> you did? Look. Really? I even put a time so you guys would see that I suspected Mario. <laughs> a reporter? Yes. What? Hey, that would have been the greatest twist of all time, dude. dude. If, that, if that was the case, that would have been a, a huge twist. He's a report on the on the story. No, I make it the story. <laughs> it's because a lot of times that's what you see. Like the person who's most adamant about something, it's because they know something. They're guilty, mm-hmm. and they're just trying to have people, you know, like direct them in a different direction so that they don't become the suspect. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, so who's to say Mario he isn't? was out there trying to save the world, who knows? Was he really? Or yeah. was he just getting the heat off of himself? I think it was Antonio. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy story. You know, I was getting into it. I thought, you know, this Damn is going <laughs> to... I thought we were going to have an ending, but, but then again, like, um, 
like just with the Zodiac, it, we're stuck. You know, there's there's different theories on this case about who it could be. You know, I wonder who the people of Italy believe it to be. They're kind of torn. A lot of people in those areas, though, they, they kind of want to forget the past. But mm-hmm. some of the people that were freaked out and lost loved ones, um, there's still some people that think it's Francesco. Um, there's some people that think it's Salvatore. And there's a lot of people who think it's Antonio. I don't think it's Francesco because when Francesco was locked up, it happened. Yep. Yeah. But those three had those three had possession of the gun. That's what I think it was Antonio. Antonio Antolini. And it's sad because they already had him in 1984. And they mm-hmm. were that close to stopping this, but he was acquitted. Yep. So you mm. lost 16 people. 16, man. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. You never know. You can't know everybody. You never know who your neighbor is. Well, I'm just saying, man. It was just getting that thrill. And then... Somebody had to disturb them, man. Like, Damn it. I had all my notes here, Todd. I'm all taking big old <laughs> notes because I'm just like, maybe this, maybe that. I'm going to get it. <laughs> I really thought there was an ending to this. I know. I What's usually up, I usually have a finale to mine, but uh, this one this one got me really intrigued. And then I was disappointed when I was like, wait a minute. It's still unsolved? What? <laughs> Dude, imagine... You're in the pleasure. You're making love with someone, and then all of a sudden, somebody's trying to kill you. You go from pleasure to instant, you know, defense mode. Save your life. Save your life, man. That, that's Survival. that's jacked up. It is jacked up. Jacked up, man. <clears throat> all those people had a lifetime to live. Still, you yeah, know, pro- probably most of them would be alive to this day. They were young. They were just young. Some of them were a little older, but still. Okay, give me the the juice now on. Why the couples? Well, there's plenty of theories. And the one was the ED factor. The one was he couldn't uh, couldn't relate good with, you know, uh, couples himself. Like he, the opposite sex wouldn't help him. So that's why he took it out more on women. And uh, there was just also uh, a theory that the person was abused. And if you think about it, uh, Antonio never really oh, yeah. had, never really had much of a love life. Uh, Salvatore uh, couldn't keep it in his pants, um, and and really had he had troubles himself with in relationships. So there was a little bit to everybody, and Francesco was sort of a, a loner type. So you had you could have. That's why everyone's not too sure who to put it on. You know what I mean? Because sexually, they all could have been. They could have had a frustration. They all had tough childhoods, um, you know, traumatic things happen. You know, he lost his mom when he was little, Antonio. Uh, Salvador killed his wife. Francesco was in and out of jail as a kid, abused probably. So, Okay, see, this is what I see. Antonio had a troubled childhood because his mom died early, of course. And then, of course, he suspected his dad killed her. Uh-huh. And I get that anger. But then why would you target women then if he killed your mom wouldn't you go after fathers true true if if, um what's his name um who was having the orgies salvadori yeah if he 
was the one sleeping around and he killed his woman, it would make more sense that it was him. Mm -hmm. Because he was abusive toward women. Like, it seemed like he would get angry at them. So that makes more sense to me. I don't understand how Antonio would go against couples based on what he went through with his dad. True, true. Probably because he put stuff in his head, you know. That's probably why he killed his mom. He probably told him women are, you know, horrible and blah, blah, blah. But if that was the case, then he wouldn't be angry at his dad for killing his mom. Yeah, but he probably was angry at his dad for other things. He probably was beating him and and doing other stuff. Well, who knows? And that's probably why he let out his frustration. Yeah, but what does that have to do with the women mainly? Because the women got it the worst. Maybe he he would kill off the male, kill him off to get to the woman. So it was more focused on the woman. Well, yeah, true. But then when he saw that gay couple, he he rage killed them. And because he thought it was a woman and it wasn't. Maybe. Mm-hmm. That's no, those why are, I get it. Those are good points. Like... You and Mario need to to come up with some stuff here because I don't trust, I don't no trust Mario. Mario <laughs> he might be jumping around on the mushroom right now as we speak. <laughs> Man. It was that's I mean, like I look at it that way too. Like um there was no sexual jollies, like some some of these guys would leave semen at cases or on the women and they never yeah. never pulled it out, you know? So Whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Pause. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, that I don't get it. Yeah, this this one's weird. It's this really confusing. This one is weird. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder what the audience think. You know, if they leave a comment to see what their theory is. Yes, leave a comment. Good idea, Matt. Leave a comment or uh, what your theory is on the Facebook page, Instagram, or uh, on you know message us or on Podbean. Because I think it's Antonio. <laughs> Why do you sound like that? Because I remember some movie says Antonio. <laughs> I think it's Antonio. Antonio. I just feel like it is, man. You know, young kid probably went through a lot and just relieves his anger. Probably never had a girlfriend. Probably never had a woman. Probably never had sex. I don't know. And then, hey, kill this fool. Let me take him out and then let me torture this girl. Well, she's already dead. But you know, let's let's I guess have fun with her. Just you know, experiment. I don't know. He was good with the knife. Yes, that's true. But if he was such a killer, then why didn't he kill the person he hated the most? Why yeah. didn't he kill his father? Maybe it was psychologically he couldn't. I don't know. Don't ask me. That's just my theory. Don't ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> just, listen. <laughs> You want to piss me off? Be a, a. <laughs> but I do. I do uh, recommend a book. Um, it's a New York Times bestseller. Before we get out of here, "The Monster of Florence: A True Story" by Douglas Preston and Mario Spezzi. What? Yeah, he wrote a book too. They wrote a book. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. But who's the other guy? Uh, he just helped him write it. Oh, okay. Now I'm going to put up the mug shots of uh the, the people that were involved and that were um arrested over time just the main characters that i got into there was a few other characters that were like whatever but uh 
I'm going to put up these uh, pictures and then you make the decision based on based on uh, what you see right here um, and tell me who you think the murderer is. I'll have it posted on the uh, page. Okay. If I see a picture and it looks like Luca Brasi, I'm going to say it was, it was him. <laughs> All right. I'm doodling my name. <laughs> so that is the end of the story, sir. That is. Well, thank you very much. I don't feel I don't feel satisfied, man. I want to know. <laughs> oh, I'm this left me so like lost. <laughs> but it is what it is, man. All we can do is speculate. Yeah, pretty much. Well, thank you, Todd Fox, for that story. Uh, straight from Italy. That was our first one from Italy, right? I think so. Yeah, I think it is going international. So. Uh, like I said, uh, if you guys like what you hear, uh, you can continue to support us. Also, uh, you can leave recommendation. You can tell us stories that we can look up and look into, and we'll probably uh, record it in the next future podcast. So continue to send us recommendations. With that being said, we're signing off. But before we do, I want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Grinding True Crime. There you can follow us, like our page. Subscribe to our page and leave us a comment and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. If you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podvine. And as always, those who are listening to us outside of the U.S. continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Okay. That is it. We are going to sign off. And this has been the Granny True Crime Podcast. With your host, Maddie Matt, along with Todd Fox and Gabby Gab. And we are signing off. Toodles. Peace. Y'all to come back and now you're here. It's a me, a Mario. <laughs>